This is Software Defined Survival, where we talk to AVIT professionals and software developers to find out how to leverage software to reinvent ourselves and the way we do business. We listen to their stories and ask for advice and tactics on how to survive and thrive in a software-defined world. Today on Software Defined Survival. And then they get there and then the project manager goes, no, 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 we want this button to do this and do that and do that. So it all changes and it's usually right at the end of the project where it's got to be handed over, you know, the next day and it's like two weeks worth of work. When they're designing from a design perspective without understanding the back-end code and what's required or understanding how to really do a good interface, it's not so easy. And they've really wanted um, the CSPs to, to, to stand up and take control over this whole process because it was the CSPs that really understand this process. Hey, Patrick here. Just a quick recap of my week before we get on with the interview. I just got back from Amsterdam where I attended Crestron's master training event. Uh, it's the year 2018, in case you're listening to this sometime in the future. And quite honestly, I almost did not go, but on the recommendation of my buddy Steve Greenblatt, he really encouraged me to go, and uh, he was right. It was the right thing to do because I was really surprised about some of the things that I've heard. Now, in AV, one of the things I've been talking about for a long time is this whole software-defined stuff, using modern programming tools to uh, do your automation and control. And pretty much all the traditional control manufacturers have been hesitant to take that approach because I understand it, right? Quite frankly, they've put a lot of resources into creating proprietary control systems, proprietary IDEs and software, and they have all these support structures and dealers who are trained up in this stuff. I completely understand that. And on top of that, their tools work great. They do what they should. But from my perspective, once I started using iOS Swift and JavaScript with Node.js and working with other developers and subcontracting work out to other developers, it became very difficult to go back to those tools because it's just a completely different development environment. So I think there's a place for everything. There's a time and a place for these traditional tools. There's certainly more of a role that modern tools could be playing. And that's why I was really blown away this week when I attended a class um, at this Crestron event where they announced that their touch panels will be programmed with HTML5, CSS, and JavaScript and they will not be providing an IDE. Touch panel designers will be expected to use modern web development tools to create their touch panels. And this is a complete paradigm shift. It's a total 180 from that closed proprietary system approach because now basically you create a web page and it could run anywhere. It could run on your laptop, it could run on any browser, and it could also run on Crestron touch panels. So this completely opens up the way AV projects can be done on the touch panel side because we have so many more resources now. You could hire any web developer to make a whiz-bang touch panel and you could reuse that however you like. You could serve it up from somewhere and browse to it from your phone. You could package it up as your own app and you could brand that app. And I think this is a really big deal because let's face it, Crestron is a really big company and when they do things like that, people will pay attention to it. So I'm really excited about the things that I've heard this week and also their touch panels will be running Android so it 
looks like you may even be able to run your own applications right on the touch panel. So this is really exciting stuff. And along with some of the other things that I saw this week, like the uh, the partnership with AppSpace, a digital signage company, it starts to make sense because to run that digital signage platform, it's basically HTML web pages. So it kind of makes sense that they'll move in this direction. And of course, all of the video IP over IP was a big, big thing that we talked about this week. And quite frankly, AV systems are going to have to be done differently. They're going to have to be designed and planned quite differently. Even a good CAD drawing, you know, the days of, of writing on the back of a napkin are certainly over, but even a good CAD drawing will not be enough to get buy-in from IT professionals. So the landscape certainly is changing. And one of the biggest takeaways that I took away from this week is that AV programmers and software-minded integrators are really the ones who are best positioned to shepherd in this new paradigm of AVIT and software-defined AVIT. On a technical level, sure, obviously, that's why we're best positioned, because we understand things so deeply, what needs to be done and the order in the way it needs to be done. But on a business side, I think we have a lot to improve on. And that's why today's guest gives us a lot of tips about how to change your business and really take advantage of the opportunities that are waiting for us. So let's get on with the interview. My name is Patrick Murray. Welcome to Software Defined Survival. I'm here at Crestron's Master Training 2018 in Amsterdam, and I've met some interesting people, and one of them is my guest here today. And being that I'm at Masters, I have not had a chance to look at his LinkedIn profile and give the typical background, so I'll just let him do that himself. Lee Rivers, welcome to Software Defined Survival. How are you today? Yeah, good, thanks, Patrick. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, how you got in, started in AV? and uh, all that. Sure, um, yeah, so I've been doing this for about 37 years, sort of my background was initially uh, doing events and, and uh, as a DJ and production, uh, and then sort of went into the AV side of things in regards to sales and technical and installation and then into programming and project management and then running as a senior project manager and yeah so it's kind of pretty much everything in the industry I've kind of had to dabble in and had to play with. Excellent and what was that initial impulse to get into AV? What, what was like your first project or, or job? Uh, probably as a DJ, my, both my brothers were DJs and so it kind of was in the family and uh, and uh, yeah I, I, I used to sort of muck around as a kid doing recordings and, and that sort of thing so I was really mu very much into music so really enjoyed it. Cool. That, that pops up a lot. There it is again, music. Usually it's guitar or something. Now we've got a DJ on the show. And uh, yeah, it's a recurring theme that music is uh, the gateway drug for AV, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So um, could you tell me a bit about your most successful project and, and what made it special for you? I guess the, uh, the, not so much the latest, but probably one of the biggest I did was... Um, a few years back I did a project for the Department of Education and it was somewhat different to a standard project in that um, I was working directly with the consultant and I was engaged by the client to actually do all the programming and commissioning, which meant that the SI was the one that actually just supplied all the equipment and installation and I did all the programming and commissioning for that project, working directly with the consultant and the, and the, and the client to make sure that the interfaces were going to deliver exactly what they wanted. Um, and the project ended up becoming um, 
uh, well, in actual fact, we had the guys coming out from Integrate Magazine to do a, just a, a cover story on it. Okay. And, um, and that wasn't long before ISC in 2017. And, um, and then we found out that they actually had put us up for the international award for the project of the year. Without you asking for it? Yeah, without us asking for it. We, they just, and then it was only like about two weeks out from the show. Okay. And so, I, you know, I wasn't going to go to ISE because I was already coming to Masters in Amsterdam and it's a long way from Australia to, to come here. So it was a, a big commitment to be able to come twice. But two weeks out, I found out that we'd been nominated and the consultant said, mate, you better get tickets, you better come. And we came to Amsterdam and and surprisingly, we actually won the International Project of the Year, which we weren't expecting because there were seven other major projects from around the world. And it wasn't a large project, but the innovation in the project and how it all went together and the client was just over the moon with it. And it worked really, really well. And kind of uh, from there it sort of steamrolled into me looking into more working with consultants and and the end user to get a better outcome and I guess that's probably out of all the projects that I've done uh, thousands of projects that I've done over the years it, that was the one that I guess would you know that has stand out the most so um, looking at that project what really set it apart for you was that direct contacts with the consultants yes, correct yeah and definitely early on in the in the process so you know I, i'm just speaking to people here and everyone has exactly the same issues with you know when they're working at a csp um, and sort of working with um, system integrators, it's, it's usually time is always the issue. You know, they don't have the time to be able to, to scope it out properly and to really get uh, maybe to talk to the end user client to really understand what the requirements are from, from the client's perspective. So they do their best and then they get there and then the project manager goes, no, 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 we want this button to do this and do that and do that. So it all changes and it's usually right at the end of the project where it's got to be handed over, you know, the next day and it's like, Two weeks worth of work to try and facilitate the requirements and and you know everyone seems to be getting set up to fail all the way along the chain so to be able to be engaged on early, very very early process you know we were spending we spent a lot of time developing the actual touch panel layouts before any code was actually written so it, it worked out perfectly and so when it come time to to train there was no changes required because it was all worked out that's really uh, really interesting you know I'm really excited about this yeah. whole idea and because it's the same old song and dance that's being set up for failure, it happens over and over again. So I'm really excited about this idea of um, getting involved as early as possible, but that's easier said than done, right? Yes. So do you have any, usually I ask for advice at the end of the podcast, but let's just jump right into it. Do you have any practical tips for anyone who wants to get closer to the origin of the project? Yeah, definitely. Look, I, I think that, um as programmers, we're always at the coalface and we can bring a lot to the table when it comes to helping out consultants and even system integrators that are doing design and construct type works. I believe, and this is what I did, which took me a long time, I spent a lot of time meeting with consultants and meeting with you know, system integrators and just explaining them what you know, I could deliver for them and, and what we can do to, to help them. When they're designing from a design perspective without understanding the back-end code and what's required or understanding how to really do a good interface, um, it's not so easy for an SI or even the consultants to be able to um, paint the picture for the client. So when we come on board, we know what works, what doesn't work. 
uh, and we can explain that to the client and then we can find out the intricacies of what they require, what are the issues they're, they're experiencing and how can we encode and in the interface um, be able to provide that in a way that is going to be easy for them to use. Excellent. So the benefits, sure, if you're in early, you have more time, right? Yeah. You don't have that time crunch at the end. Obviously, contact to the end user that you can really understand what, what issues they're trying to solve, what, what, kind of, what their solutions should look like. Those are the benefits. Has there been any uh, challenges that have been introduced by getting in so early? Is there anything, are there any negatives to it? Uh, look, there is. Um, obviously, when you change the way things get done in any industry, you're going to have some sort of resistance. And so far, the resistance that I've experienced is mainly from the system integrators. Um, they you know, see me as a threat, um, as you know, that I'm taking away part of their works. Uh, but in, in actual fact, um, every project that I have run with this model um, has worked perfectly with the client and then actually made the system integrator look better. Um, because nine times out of 10, the, the, the product that's delivered is not exactly what the client wanted or the consultant had designed. Um, because of either time or limitations in money, because they, you know, it was a tender arrangement where they put in the pricing as cheap as possible to just get in and get out and then run on variations to try and actually make some money out of the project. The way that we're doing it is not about you know, looking at variations, it's about being able to understand what are the deliverables from, from the outset so that we can actually deliver that to the client rather than, oh, we've got to get in and get out in a certain period of time. So have those integrators flipped? Have they changed their mindset after going through the process? Look, some have, um, some haven't. I mean, you can't change everybody, sure. but I think in the long term, people will see the benefit of this model. Excellent. So let's get down to some practical details. What does the process look like? So there's a consultant who has a project, you're on board to help him. What are some, some of the steps, some of the tasks that you actually do and, and the timing of those tasks? Okay, so depending on where the projects are, sometimes we just organize like a Zoom call or a, or a Skype call with the client or all the key stakeholders that are gonna utilize the, pro, the, 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 um, the system or to maybe um, service the system or their own internal AV or, to, or IT departments, have everybody involved that would like to have input in the overall you know, use or operation of the system. Um, so that's the first thing is to be able to scope that out. A lot of the times, like for instance, I recently did a university project where they had like six different types of, of legacy touch panel layouts. And what we did was we grabbed every one of them and we said, okay, what's the good, the bad and the ugly for each one of these? And then basically grabbed all the good bits and tried to get it all together and, and then document it all and say, well, let's, let's work from this and, and basically build uh, a touch panel layout having all of these functionality within the one system and then sort of go from there. So it gave us a framework of where to start from um, and then we're able to build, build it and build it and build it until it gave them absolutely everything that they wanted to do but still easy for you know, the educators to use because you know, at the end of the day they're the guys that have got to be able to get up there and just be able to you know, select one button and the whole system turns on and away it goes. It's got to be very easy for them to, to, to be able to do that. But from the, the people that are actually the internal AV and IT guys, they know the issues they're experiencing on day to day. They know the flaws in the existing systems and they can provide that feedback. From there, you're sort of given a really good, clear roadmap of what you've got to deliver. Once you've got those touch panels done and, la and laid out, the coding is the easy bit. 
because there's no more gray. It's, it's really black and white. Yeah, that's come up several times too. Programming is actually easy once everything is defined. Mm. So just to recap real quickly, step one is talk, right? Talk with the end yeah. users, see see what their their needs are. Step two, analyze if they have anything already, really take a good look at it, what's the good, what's the bad, and step three is documentation. So you've mentioned touch panels several times. Um, does does your value really revolve around the GUI interface or is that just part of it? Is, is there more to it than that? Look, I believe the GUI is probably 80% of it, yeah. to be honest. Um, seriously, because at the end of the day, the people that got to operate it, they don't care what brand it is. It's irrelevant. It's just about the user experience. And I know that's banded around a lot of you talking about the user experience, but it really is about the user experience. So if you can get that GUI right and make it nice and easy, um, you know, your job's done. Do you have any way to uh, deal with non-GUI rooms, right? And so um, keypads or real automation where there's just sync detection or, or things like that, maybe even voice control? Yeah, look, I think um, sync detection, yes. Um, haven't done a lot of keypad type stuff um, because typically the systems that I work on are usually quite large and complex, so there's not a lot of that sort of requirement. Um, maybe, you know, one or two rooms where it might be a little breakout room or, you know, some sort of little meeting room or something like that. Um, but um, haven't done any uh, voice control, but definitely interested in, in, in sort of looking into that area. Okay. So... You've got the functionality defined in whatever the user interface is going to be. Let's say it's a GUI, so you've got that defined with um, just wireframes, or is it a full-blown uh, graphic design? Do you put some text in there to describe things? Give me an idea of what that looks like. Depend on who the, what the client is, who the client is, and that sort of thing. Sometimes it can be just as simply as actually doing all the touch panels because okay. you're going to have to do them anyway. You've already got the job, so you might as well do the touch panels and then screenshot it, send it to the client, and then if you can have a meeting then to be able to explain how each of the, the functions work and things like that. Really depends on the complexity of, the, of, of what the project is. You know, if it's just a basic little meeting room or something like that, that's one thing that's, you know, you really don't have to get into it too much. If it's more like a more complex, you know, meeting room, boardroom, or, you know, a, a multi-purpose type of room where it's split into three rooms or things like that, then you're getting the more complexity and you need to actually get down to the nitty gritty and you need to have everybody's buy-in on, on being able to get that information. Sure. And um, once that's approved and everybody agrees on everything, what are the next steps? They're probably pretty obvious, but just take me through that in case I'm missing anything. So typically once that's, um, the, the, that's signed off, for me, that's the next step for me to get my next progress payment. Because um, for me, it's all well and good to be able to do the work, but if you're not managing the risk of business, yeah. that's the other part about being a good programmer is, it, is it, it's it's a business as well. You know, you've got to make sure that you, you're managing your cash flow and you're managing that, that you you get you meet a milestone and you, you put an invoice in and once that invoice is paid then you go to the next step and you've clearly defined that from the outset so the client really knows what are the key points along the way. So once you've got that signed off and you've you know you put your invoice in and you've been paid for those amount of works then it's getting onto the programming. Um, so being able to program and you know maybe you, you can you know do some offsite testing you know you might have a little process you go home and be able to make sure your page flips and all that sort of stuff's working and, and anything else that you can test as much as possible. I like to try and have pretty much most of the code com almost completely finished before I go to site and start loading. The other thing that 
from there is to be really be able to um, make sure that the system integrator is completely understanding of what is required before the program is going to hit site. You know, make sure that all the IP information's been supplied, that, that they've done all their system testing on site and things like that. Make sure that there's, you know, a, an Ethernet port there or you know, wireless um, for, for the uh, program to go in and, and load understanding that you know who's in, in control of the commissioning side of things and that sort of thing and basically it, it's just run like a project you know you've got to have all your different elements of what's got to be done and, and it's done in 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 time um, once the programming's done then it's putting it time to say okay well the programming's done now I'm ready to come to site once they're ready and then for me it's another progress payment uh, and then it's the final go to site and do you your final loading and testing and commissioning and training Excellent. Um, I usually have a notepad and take notes, but <laughs> I've got to rely on my memory for now. So there were a couple of things I want to touch on. Uh, you mentioned payment as being a critical part of the process. It's not all fun and games. You know, as technical people, we, we like to have fun. We enjoy our jobs, but um, I like the way you, you place that importance on there. It's got to be part of the project processes. When we be paid for what tasks? So I think that's a really thing, important thing to note. And course you did the programming because that's uh, your background and where you come from but there's also this installation part so it almost sounded like you become you, you, there's a transition between where you're doing some consultancy on, on what the final solution looks like and then you transition almost to a project manager Definitely. do you help select the uh, uh, systems integrator and, and that can you talk a bit about that transition from being a consultant to a project manager yeah, look, um, at the moment, in the, the role that I've been doing with um, the consultants, I, there's no real involvement in who's getting cho you know, chosen to, to do the work in regards to the tender process. So, um, uh, but in, in, definitely with the project management, I'm actually managing my part of the project and I'm making sure that I know in advance when I'm required on site. Uh, I make sure that they've got you know, all their ducks in line, they've done all everything that they need to do because it's all about ensuring that they understand what my requirements are before I hit site because I don't want to get to site and I know I can't do work um, because it's just wasting everybody's time. Absolutely. You know. So... Is, so once a project is installed and complete and accepted, is that the end of the project? Because I kind of have this idea, if, if you look at software development, you've reached version one. And then there's a long time between that, between version one release and when that system reaches end of life. And that tends to be ignored a lot in AV. Do you take that into account at all? And, and what does that look like for you? Yeah, look, I like to... Um have the chance to be able to and go back to the client and just see how everything's going you know just to call in even just have a coffee and just to see how it's all going but also i i, I try to actually uh, engage them into you know providing some sort of um service agreement you know from from the um uh, you know things like um you know firmware updates and and um you know, testing of the systems and stuff like that. I mean, it's all well and good that the installer will have certain, you know, maybe SLAs in, in place. But from a from a code and, and operational type of perspective, um, I like to make sure that my relationship with the client is still strong and then any change that they want to do, you know, they're going to come straight to me, you know, every time just to, to, just to make sure that, um, you know, whatever's got to be done in code can be facilitated. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, you mentioned... Uh um, 
security updates and we just sat in a class together where you know the big takeaway for me was if security is a feature if you view security as a feature then you should be updating firmware regularly that's that's a part of it yeah and so so it is a little bit loose right it's it's not really in a contract it's not part of a documented part of the workflow but you definitely keep in touch with the end user. Yes. So is there anything else that um, that you're working on that you'd like to share with us? Any plans for the future? Do you plan on doing anything with this model or just uh, continue to execute it on your own? Yeah, look, uh, I am working at the moment um, to put together, um, basically I'm looking at building strategic alliances with people, not just in Australia, but around the world that have got like-minded, um, that want to sort of, um, you know, take more control of where they're going and, and, and basically giving themselves the opportunity to actually succeed in business rather than just, you know, get the cards dealt and, with, and, and they've got to put up with it and try to do the best they can with, with what's dealt to them. Um, and so in saying that, I've actually got some alliances uh, throughout Australia. We've got some, a guy in, in the US that we've been talking with and there's been quite a few people that I've met here at, um, at Masters that are, getting, are asking all the same questions that everybody else is asking. They're all experiencing the same issues. So, you know, just seeing this model and seeing how it works, and, and, and there's actually a few places in the US that are actually running exactly this model, um, and it's working really, really well. And in talking with um, some of the head guys here at Crestron at dinner last night, um, he said that um, they were trying to get people from from CSPs to, to, to run this model for years. And oh, yeah. and yeah, and they've really wanted um, the CSPs to, to, to stand up and take control over this whole process because it was the CSPs that really understand this process. Sure. And they were hoping that they were able to do that. Now, I can understand that why it hasn't, and because everybody's different, you know, some people are management people, some people are, you know, they're tech heads, you know, and they, they, they really just want to get in code. They really don't want to be client facing. They really don't want to be running a business as such to, as a business development manager. They just want to go and write code and they want to do an invoice and they want to work on the next job. And that's all great and that's fine and you can earn good money that way. But essentially, if you want to be, you know, in charge of your own destiny and you want to be able to work on some pretty amazing stuff and be involved from the outset and rather than sort of, you know, almost not, not being rude, being almost like a bottom feeder, you know, you, you get to the top of the pack and then so you, you're working at that high level. You really need to be able to have strategic alliances with those people that can actually help you to get to that point. And so you're sort of working together and it becomes, you know, a win-win deal for everybody that's involved. And, and I believe in life, you've got to love what you do when you go to work because we're doing a lot of hours at work, so you've got to enjoy that. And we're luckily, we work in an industry that pretty much everyone that I know in the industry love what they do, you know, it's, it's a fun industry to play in. Um, so that's the first bit. So you've got to be happy with what you're doing. And I believe you've got to be in control of your own destiny. You know, like if you're sitting there and being upset of the cards you've got to de you're getting dealt, it's time to get a new pack. Yeah. You know, it's time to move on and, and, and take control of yourself. And if you can't do it yourself, align yourself with people that are going to help you be able to get there. You know, help them to get where they need to get. And you help them and they help you. And you, you, know, you all go along the path together. And it's amazing what you can actually achieve. Absolutely. Inspiring stuff. You, you've got me all fired up and I can't wait to get home and start executing on some of this. And um, based on some of the things we're seeing here at this training, uh, software is really going to be more a part of the way AV projects are done 
and uh, we're going to have to develop software development practices. We will not be sitting on a cable spool behind a rack doing things last minute. So the industry will have to change. And a lot of the things you said about, you know, taking charge of your own destiny, I really think it's time for, for AV programmers and software minded people to stand up and say, yeah, we could do this and, uh, and to get to it. So if anybody would like to get in touch with you, we're going to follow up probably sometime in a half a year, a year or so, and, and see where this whole journey takes us. But if anybody would like to get in touch with you in the meantime, how'd they go about doing that? Um, you can get to contact me through uh, LinkedIn is one way, um, or um, lee at i-excel.com.au. Excellent. Thank you so much for being on the show, Lee. Thanks, Patrick. Hey, Patrick here again. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed this discussion, if you liked what you've heard, if you want to hear more discussions like this, please go to iTunes, leave a review, subscribe to the show, send me a comment, get in touch with me somehow, and let me know that you're out there listening, and that'll motivate me to keep doing these shows and get more great guests on. So if you're driving or whatever, ask Siri to set something in your calendar to give you a reminder to go to iTunes and leave a review. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Software Defined Survival. For transcripts and show notes, go to softwaredefinedsurvival.com.